Thank you for listening to this clip from the Leaning Forward podcast. I'm Andrew Thorpe. In 2011, Carl Southern gave a talk about basketball at one of my events in Manchester in the UK. Actually, it was really about public speaking, but he used his favourite sport to teach us something valuable about the way that we prepare for a presentation. Carl became a regular client, a supporter and a friend of mine, and I want to share with you why I believe this is the best short presentation I've seen live in all that time. As you listen to this recording, you'll hear the words spoken by Carl at the event, interrupted occasionally by some commentary from me. I've also included some images used on the day to help you follow the flow. To give you some context, he was presenting at an event called Speakeasy, a concept I established some years ago which allowed people to test drive a short talk on an audience and then invite feedback. The only problem with this one was the difficulty we had finding anything to improve. It was that good. There's so much we can learn from Carl's message and the way that he puts it across. And I want to start with something that he says at the very end. Practice makes perfect. It's something of a cliché, and on its own it's hardly teaching us anything new. But Carl does provide a valuable insight into a familiar concept, and he does so in a really creative way. His Practice Makes Perfect theme referred to the way that we occasionally have to perform under the spotlight, and and I guess public speaking is a classic example of this. If we're underprepared, we are clearly inviting failure, but Carl wanted to point out that practice isn't simply about trotting off some heavily rehearsed lines. It's about gaining familiarity with our content so that we become confident, And that confidence allows us to adapt and improvise if we need to. It's a bit like a football match where the manager has a a clear game plan for defeating the opposition. But when you're 3-0 down at half-time, that plan has to change. Occasionally with a presentation, your slides won't display, the video won't work, or maybe the audience doesn't laugh at your hilarious opening. In these situations, the experience and the confidence that comes from practice allows you to deviate from your original plan, and Carl calls this um, meandering, and then still perform successfully. So let's get into Carl's talk and see how cleverly he arrives at this conclusion. And to appreciate his opening, you must understand that Carl isn't a tall man, and he doesn't appear to be built for speed. Um, as, as I uh, said earlier, my name's Carl. It's Carl Southern. Um, one of the things I'm very passionate about is basketball. Um, I've been a basketball photographer for many years, but um, I figured when I had my midlife crisis, when I started taking an interest in it, that I would actually have to learn how to play it. So I am, in fact, a basketball player. Now, look, I can see the smiles already, because people around here are already looking, thinking, well, aren't you a little bit... And I think the word you're looking for is short. 
some of you may actually be saying fat. And that's how I approach basketball, to be honest. When I first started playing, I started playing at 40. When I first started playing, I found myself very much thinking I was just a little bit overweight, a little bit slow, a little bit short to be playing. So I didn't quite get the enjoyment. I really love this opening. and um, The whole talk is only about six minutes or so in length. So he gets um, stuck in quickly. Uh, with an attention grabber uh, and a bit of self-deprecating humour. Now, Carl is a humble man, um, but there's no doubting his expertise. Uh, And and professionally, by the way, he helps organisations make the most of their IT systems. Um, But even in this talk, you sense that you're in safe hands from the start. Now, there's an interesting concept with public speaking called status management. And you often find that great speakers... And poke fun at themselves at the outset to deliberately bring down their status and, and endear themselves to the audience. Uh, so, I mean, after all, if you've been invited to the stage, you've got some kind of advantage over the rest of us, um, knowledge, um, experience, wisdom and so forth. So, so I guess necessarily there is a status imbalance to begin with. But this levelling can't really continue because... You know, we've given up our time to listen to you uh, and we expect you to deliver some real value. So you re-establish your status by delivering some fabulous insights. And although you might repeat that process um, from time to time during the presentation itself. That changed when I was reading a book. It was a guy uh, called Tom Ambry who wrote this book. And one of the things he said in it is we are more limited by our beliefs than by our abilities. So we are more limited by our beliefs than by our abilities. Does that kind of make sense to everybody around here as well? You know, if you believe you can or you can't, you're right. It's that sort of thing. Carl introduces um, a turning point, uh, a necessary part uh, of any compelling story. And he displays a, a quote from Tom Ambry on the screen, but he gives us no picture of the author uh, it doesn't give us any information or, or reason why we need to know. Um, but it's all part of preparing us for uh, the big reveal, um, as you'll discover shortly. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about basketball now. Um, this is the O2 with Team GB playing. And I'm going to concentrate on about a particular facet of the game called the free throw. Now, the free throw takes place in those two areas on the uh, screen that I've just highlighted. And it happens whenever there's a technical um, infraction or there's a foul on a player. It's a bit like a penalty within uh, football. The thing about the free throw is no matter which basketball court in the world you're on, the distance from the hoop to the floor is 10 feet and you're 15 feet away from the basket. Every court in the world is the same. So the circumstances of the free throw are always the same. You're always going to be throwing the ball approximately 18 feet. I like this because he's focusing on one specific aspect of basketball um, around which he's building his main point. And and listeners to Leaning Forward will know that I'm um, an advocate of zeroing in on something small um, from which you can make a larger point. And as we're listening to Carl's explanation, we are beginning to appreciate the degree of difficulty of the free throw. 
Of course, that's not necessarily always true, though. Some things do change. And the things that change are audiences. So people are screaming at you to miss, which they're allowed to do. It's not like a typically English sport where people just sit there politely clap. Basketball's quite an emotional sport. So you may have 20,000 people shouting at you to miss. Your palms may be greasy because of the sweat. And basketball players know this and have to practice regularly to actually develop their shooting in different circumstances to make them effective, whether it be at the beginning of the game, the end of the game, whether they're tired, whether their legs ache, whatever else, that's how they practice the sport. We go um, further into the free throw um, and the circumstances under which it takes place. Um, Carl really needs to establish here that there there are certain um, or several unpredictable factors that might influence the success of the shooter. This is a guy called Luol Deng. He is actually Britain's highest paid sporting athlete. He actually plays for the Chicago Bulls in the uh, NBA over in the States, uh, but he is English. He's the highest paid, whatever his contract's worth, 14 million a year or whatever it is. Um, He obviously takes free throws when he's playing basketball. Last season that's just gone, he took 336 free throws of which he made 253, which means three out of four he scores. You know, sweat on the palms, the audience shouting at him. Three out of four throws he actually makes. This um, dates Carl's talk a little. Um, And according to Wikipedia, Lawal Deng is currently coaching the national men's team in South Sudan. Um, But Carl introduces some uh, hard numerical facts here not not just Deng's earnings but also the um the success rate of a top professional when it comes to the the free throw and a reminder of those um extra factors uh, that can affect performance but now it's time for a bit of audience participation so given that that's a professional player What do you think is the world record for consecutive made free throws? And so I'm not thinking about in a game or in a sequence of games, somebody who was just taking free throws, how many do you think they would score without missing? At this point, um, Carl reacts to the uh, the suggestions coming from the audience, a bit bit like an auctioneer. Um, Any advance on 300? Do Do I have 350? And involving the audience like this is um, a great way to keep them engaged. Uh, It's a bit of fun. It adds variety um, and it helps them feel more connected with the topic. Uh, The answers he gets range from 60 to 1500. but, But note how he's previously influenced our thinking um, by giving us the success rate of a, of a top professional. So, hundreds, two, three, four? Fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. Three hundred. Less. Go, okay, go with less. Say, two hundred. Sixty. Sixty, okay. And then comes the first reveal, um, and the answer is displayed um, as a single number in, in big font size on the screen. Um, the world record is 2,750. Then comes the second reveal. Who achieved this? This is the guy that actually holds that world record. When he did it, he was 71 years old. 
and at 2,751 didn't take place. He just stopped. OK, Carl shows us a, a, a picture uh, of um, an old uh, gentleman, but, but who is he? His name is Dr Tom Ambry. He's a retired podiatrist and he wrote, we are more limited by our beliefs than we are by our abilities. There it is, the third reveal. We'd already been introduced to him, but we didn't understand the role that he would play in the narrative. We didn't expect a number that high, and we certainly didn't expect the record to be held by a senior citizen. Carl continues. He wrote a book about free throw shooting. It's a crucial part of the sport. But it wasn't just about the mechanics of shooting the basketball. It was about the mental approach they take as well in terms of visualising the success they have in throwing the ball. If you think you're going to make it, you're more likely to make the shot. There's a huge set of sections in the book that describe that mental approach. And you're thinking, fascinating, what's this to do with us? Carl recognises what we are probably all thinking. Um, You know, this is all very well, but I mean, so what? But all along, he's been um, in tune with us. He's on our wavelength. He's anticipated our reactions. And he's been pulling our strings all along, a bit like a puppeteer. Well, practice does make perfect. And it makes perfect as well when it comes to presentations. So I did the PK event last year before last, in fact. And I don't think I've ever been as scared in my life as I did a preparation for a a slideshow, a presentation. The reason for that was that I'd always thought that practice somehow inhibited my ability to be sort of spontaneous. It couldn't have been further from from the truth. And so it was only then I realised I had to practice much more. This is really interesting. Um, And it links his setup with the main point that he wants to make. And by the way, his reference to PK means pechacucha. Um, It's pronounced pechakcha. And it's an unusual presenting style. Uh, 20 PowerPoint slides set up to rotate automatically every 20 seconds. Um, And I organised a a PK event um, a little while before this talk and Carl was a speaker. And so the thing I learned from that and the thing I took from the book from Tom Ambry was that the techniques and the tools that you use and the practice you give it give you the confidence. And once you're confident, you actually make adaptability, you can become adaptable. And by adaptability, I mean all of a sudden, once I've practiced this a few times, if the circumstances change, the audience are different. I actually know how to handle that. Knowing where I can go off meandering in a presentation or a demonstration is very important to know. And knowing my material is very important for me to be able to get back and continue. This sums up what I was explaining at the start. Um, Carl humbly admits that he was wrong um, about not practising presentations so that he could stay um, nimble and loose. That's risky. Um, It's inadvisable. And one analogy that springs to mind is preparing for a job interview. So you might practice some um, stock responses to questions that you anticipate being asked. But what if they ask you something else? If you've got a good understanding of, of who you are and what you can offer, and you've spoken about this a lot from Uh, multiple perspectives, then you will have the confidence 
to think on your feet um, and handle pretty much any question uh, that's fired at you. So within Speakeasy, you will hear lots of tips. And so I'm going to give you a mission. There'll be lots of things you hear tonight. And sometimes it can be just a bit too much. You think, well, where do I start? So my challenge to you is this. Pick one thing you hear tonight and try it out in your presentation the next time you're planning for it. Just one. Try it out and then do it again later. That's it. Practice makes perfect. And there you have it. A beautifully constructed talk rounded off with a simple summary and a gentle call to action. What a great model this is for a short presentation. It's a simple but important message um, delivered efficiently in about six and a half minutes. It's a piece of storytelling in its entirety. Not really any um, anecdotes as such, but it follows a nice narrative arc. He uses about a slide per minute and they're very uncluttered. There's very little information on them. And this underlines the point that um, PowerPoint is really a lousy medium for delivering lots of information, but it's potentially very useful when it comes to selling an idea. He's got good timing, not just in his delivery, but also the way he coordinates the timing of the clicker with the story that he's telling. And that's why the reveals work. He uses something that's personal to him and, and not apparently work-related to make a point about a critical business skill. There's a nice mix of the serious and the humorous. He's speaking in a relaxed, um, almost a conversational style. There's some nice audience participation and some lovely surprises. He tells us something new about that cliche, practice makes perfect. And in fact, his confidence and ability to work the audience is an illustration of that very point. And throughout the whole talk, we feel we're in safe hands. And because he's clearly enjoying himself, we tend to mirror that feeling from the audience. I seem to recall um, that we struggled at the time to find much in the way of constructive feedback for Carl. Um, it was that good. Uh, although I do feel that an extra couple of minutes would have allowed a bit more depth um, when it came to explaining his theory around practice and the way that it creates confidence and adaptability. But like all good presenters, Carl stuck to the brief um, and he brought his talk in on time. So I hope you've gained something valuable from this analysis. And I must thank Carl Southern for allowing himself to be scrutinised in such a manner. I think we can all learn from this wonderful short talk. And I hope you'll take his advice and try at least one of these techniques when you next make a presentation. <laughs>